0: man, numerous weeks ago we took our break out of Ephesians. Well, we'll be back in it again next week, but God clearly wanted us to take the surfboard message that we use on a regular basis, uh, normally when we do our Beach Day Mondays, and, uh, and, and kind of go through the whole thing, this whole process with the surfboard and seeing God. But God gave us the privilege of being able to go one step at a time and take a whole week to preach on every single part of it. So you guys should know this pretty well by now. So starting off, the board represents which part of the Trinity, y'all? God the Father, right? All right. And so I'm not going to go through all those scriptures again, I don't think. In fact, uh, uh, I think JJ is going to probably end up bringing me right to the uh, fins, when we get to that point, JJ. Uh, so God is a board. You guys remember uh, the, the foam represents all those little holes are more than the number of thoughts that he has for each of us. He knows everything about us, knew when you were going to stand up, knew when you were going to sit down, knew what you we were going to say before you did it. God, what does God know, y'all? God knows everything, right? Okay, and then so the stringer in the board represents the strength. That's where the board gets its strength, and that represents to us the fact that God can what? Can do anything. So God, God knows everything. God can do anything which is pretty awesome. And then you have the glass that surrounds the board. And anywhere the glass is not, there is a void. And water gets in. And it it's a ding. And and water gets in and will delaminate a board. It'll ruin a board. And anywhere God is not in our lives where people try to kick him out, like our school systems and our governments and even in our own families and our neighborhoods and our jobs. And and as we're going to see today, certain situations in each of our lives. How many of y'all have ever kicked God out of a situation in your life. All right. After today, I bet you're going to realize you have, because I'm going to share one of those hollow shame moments that I just recently had with you all in that. But wherever we do not have God in our life, man, there's a ding. And when you need to fix a ding, Chuck? Immediately, dude, because water gets in, corrupts it, and messes it up. And there are some dings, man, that you can't fix, right? You know, there's gonna, God can forgive anything, but there's going to be, man, some scars. There's going to be things it's not going to be like if you didn't. So the fact is that the foam represents God's thoughts. He knows everything. The stringer represents his strength. He can do anything. The glass represents God's omnipresence. God is everywhere, y'all. And so, again, it's not a matter of, ooh, you better not go there and do that. Jesus might catch you doing that. Anybody hear something like that before? You know, ooh, he might catch you. No, dude, you if you're a Christian, you brought him in on that. You know, you're right there. He's with you all the time. The omnipresence of God should stimulate us to be holy because God Almighty is right there. If you had Jesus Christ in the flesh with you, would you bring him where you're bringing him? Would you talk the way you're talking? Would you act the way you're acting? Would you, would you watch what you're watching and listen to what you're listening to? And participate in what you're participating in. And so we, that omniscient, our omnipresence of God should stimulate our holiness, that he's with us all the time. But it should also encourage us that we have this board to ride life through. And if we were out in the water and we uh, were in big waves, would you want to have a board or would you rather be treading water on the verge of drowning, Ryan? <laughs> I'd rather have a board. And that's what God is. God is our board. He allows us to enjoy the ride in the waves that would drown most people. So that's the benefit of having God in your life. So he's a fantastic, awesome God. But then we went in and we talked about this leash. And so the leash is what hooks you to God. It connects you to God. And in reality, uh, on a surfboard leash, you don't hold on to the leash. The leash what? What? Holds on to you, is that not right? Have you, you guys are learning to surf and you guys are charging. Have you had the leash hold on to you? Yes, and you haven't even been to a point where you've been tombstone, man. Tombstone, dude. How many of y'all have ever been tombstone? Yeah, where you go down. That's what my son, when he was little and he was seven, they used to call him. They'd call him Matthew Shredrick Our last name's Frederick. And they, they, he would, they would give him, he's everybody's little brother out there in the wave. They go, oh, Shredrick, you take this wave. And they didn't think he would take it. And he would drop in. And if I saw his board tombstoning, I knew the leash was still connected. And I knew he was down at the bottom because the water's pushing him. And as long as the board was doing that, he was tombstoning. And he would come up, get it, and he'd paddle back out. It was like, yes, he's good. Can you imagine if he is at seven, he had to hold on to his own board, hold on to his own leash? Can you imagine as a believer if you had to hold on to Christ? what that would be like. How many of y'all would have already lost Christ if you had to hold on to him? You can't even catch him. You can't swim fast enough. That's why he had to catch you. He had to hold on to you and and that's the only way we learned a couple of weeks ago that Jesus Christ is the only mediator between mankind and a and a holy righteous God. And it's represented by this leash we talked about. Then last week we talked about the fact that if you had a beautiful board, brand spanking new and a leash but no wax. What's going to happen, Gary? (coughs) Oh my goodness. You, you might be on that board and you might be stuck through suction or something with your belly or whatever. I don't know. Not everybody maybe has that problem, but anyways, man, you might, you might be on there and all of a sudden, man, go to pop up and, and all of a sudden you're sliding off your board because there's nothing to hold you there. That's what happens to believers who give their life to Christ. They, they get, they, they become connected to God through Jesus Christ, but they don't know the word. All of a sudden this comes in their life. That comes in their life. This situation happens. That situation happens and they're not going to the word of God or they're only getting it on Sundays if they're getting it only then. They're only getting it from like a little daily bread, maybe in the morning, you know, like eating a little piece of eating a little little cracker in the morning. That's all your nutrition. And for once a week, man, that you're getting. And 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 so you slide, you're sliding off that board. And so we talked about the wax that we put on the board. The wax is like the word of God that keeps us stuck to God Almighty, since we're connected to him. And you couldn't surf. In fact, every morning when you go out to surf, first thing you do, there's a wax pocket on your baggies. That's what this is. You grab your wax, man, and you rub, rub rail nose to tail wherever you're going to need it, man. You put it on the board. You put fresh sticky bumps on the board so you can stay stuck to it. Hey, Chuck, what happens if you don't put fresh sticky bumps? Do it. You slip off because, man, it, you can't live off leftovers. But what happens is You have little sticky bumps of wax that when you surf on them, they don't become, they're not that sticky anymore. So the next time you surf, you put another layer on and another layer on and another layer on. And each time you need it, you put another layer on to stick you to it. And that's what happens with the word of God. You try to live off leftovers, man. You try to live off what you learned last week, what you learned the other, you got, it's got to be fresh. Fresh to be able to stay stuck to Almighty God, but He gives us that ability for that to happen. And so that's where we ended last week. Now we're talking about the uh, the final component of the board, which are these fins. Uh, Gary told me a story. I might get some of the details wrong. Surfers are known to kind of elaborate and embellish, but I know Gary wouldn't do that. I may do that with his story, but man, when was it you told me? Like, what year did you guys... He, Gary actually... Worked at one of the first surf shops up in up in that area, and you think Chuck's old? He met he met Chuck when Chuck was just barely over being a grom, all right. When Chuck and his brother wanted to start a surf shop, but Gary was up there, and and surfers back then weren't very respected, right? I mean, y'all were losers, right? You would just leave a job, get a car, steal a car, whatever you had to do, get a, and go drive all the way to California. Did you ever do something like that? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, jobs are overrated. <laughs> Stability's overrated. That's what surfing used to be before it came to the mall. All right? And uh, so anyways, uh, so Gary did that, man. Took off, went off, heard there was going to be an epic swell in Mavericks. Y'all, how many of y'all from California know where Mavericks is? Or even, yeah, Mavericks, big place. And and you had a board, right? And <clears throat> Gary, I, I would let you tell You want to tell a story you want me to just tell? tell it? Let you tell it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to let Gary tell it. Give Let's give Gary a... Yeah. <laughs> because he's probably heard me tell it and i've told it wrong before so anyways to
1: begin with it was not mavericks that's why
0: oh dude
1: (laughs) okay man well there you go he's always put me in mavericks because mavericks is an epic wave but i was in santa cruz at a place called steamers lane which is also an epic break um (laughs) The morning, the radio came on and said, it's 16 to 18 feet. <laughs> so we go. <laughs> and Steamer's Lane, it has a cliff edge that typically it's 20, 30 feet to the water. You have to climb down the cliff, jump in the water. But we get there this day, the waves are actually breaking on top of the cliff and it sets. So we stood there for 20, 30 minutes and then decide, okay, we're going to go. And the way we're going to go, when the wave hits on the cliff, we're going to jump on it and ride the back of the wave out away from the rocks as fast as we can. (laughs) So in attempting to do this, I jump on my wave and all of a sudden it's just gone. I'm just falling (laughs) down the side of the cliff. But I managed to get on the board and paddle like crazy. I'm out there all excited. Uh, paddle into takeoff. take off on, just, I wanted to look. I just didn't want to go because these waves are so huge. So I just paddle in, I'm thinking, okay, I'm just gonna paddle out of here and take a look. And when I paddle into this wave, all of a sudden it just grabs me and just shoots me off in <laughs> the face. So I think, okay, cool. So I jump up and immediately just spin out. Just The board just came out from under me. Did this a couple more times and decided, okay, these waves are too big. So I go in an hour or so to get out of the water on those cliffs, and I'm walking, and this guy comes running up. He says, dude, dude, let me, let me borrow your board. He said, let me borrow your board. And I was carrying it, and I said, nah, I said, the fin's too small. And As we both looked down at it, there's no fin there at all. It, had, it got <laughs> torn off when I jumped off of that cliff. So that's the story.
0: That's the story. So <laughs> All right. You heard it from Zeke himself. All right. Steamer Lane. I won't confuse that again. There you go, JJ. All right. But so, so Gary, let me ask you a question. How important is a fin for surfing? extremely important. It is where you get all your power and where you get all of your direction without a fin. You can't lean in. You can't steer the board in the right direction. You, don't even, you can't even make it go where you want it to go. And without the power, you need the power to dig in and, and to be able to Chuck, you ever pump your board for power? All the time. You watch Chuck rides these little shortboards, dude. I ride a long board where I'm just like, woo, and Chuck's man, these guys are like, whoo, they're, they're, they're pumping all over the place. But that's to get power to develop speed. And so you need that fin for power and for direction. And in our Christian life, man, you can have God and you can be connected to God and you can know God's word. But can you do it in your own power? Can you, can you apply God's word to your life in your own power? Can you do it through just years of doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, and it becomes part of your habit, and now you're doing it, and, but you're not doing it with power? I mean, all your, that's called legalism. When you know God's word and you keep you know, trying to apply it to your life, but you're not the, you're, you don't have his power. Can you imagine taking a surfboard out there with a leash? And can you imagine being having it all next to you and you jump off a boat and you're treading water? Can you imagine just treading water, having the leash hooked to your board, having wax, having everything? And That's what it's like trying to do it in your own power. Instead of floating on God, instead of riding. And then when you catch that wave that God has given you, whatever wave it is on any individual day, that's when you drop in. And when you drop in, you got to make a bottom turn. Then you got to go down the line. You have cutbacks. You have all kinds of maneuvers that you can't do without power. And the power in our life comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. So anything short of having, doing Christian things, in fact, again, that's what Jesus bashed the Pharisees for. They knew the word of God. They were more in love with the word of God than the God of the word. They were more in love with their religious services than actually a real relationship with a living God. And Christ made all that possible. So again, we're gonna look at these fins as the Holy Spirit of God. And we're gonna dig into that a little bit today. Now, how many of you ever started a situation with the Holy Spirit of God, man? You're flying. You're going in his direction. You got power. Anybody ever start a situation that way? And then how many by the end of the situation, maybe you got frustrated, you got upset, and you ended up finding out you were doing in your own power? Yeah, I got to tell you a little story of what happened a couple of weeks ago, Mary, on Friday. In fact, I thought that maybe you stuck around, you and, you and um, Amanda stuck around and watched what ended up happening out there. So we, because uh, uh, the last time I saw you guys and you guys was when I was washing my boat. That's where the situation all happened. All right. So we started out and we had a, had a, had a day out on the water and Mary had her pontoon boat, man. We went out on the sandbar, anchored it, made that the party barge. And then we had a mooring buoy. That's where we put my, my boat. And then we were tubing, man. And we had so much fun tubing. And the kids, the adults, people, Mary and Kathy. Where's Kathy? Is she even here today? No. Mary, Kathy, we, you guys got on the tube and got yanked around, right? That was kind of fun. In fact, the most fun was watching Sean help you guys get on the tube. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and only you had the ability to push Matthew, uh, Kathy from the backside up on the tube, all right? And I'm glad you did that. But man, so we're tubing, we had a great day of tubing. Oh my goodness, so great that we stayed out there so long and, uh, and we can't do that on Fridays because when we got back to the boat ramp on Friday, oh my goodness, it was horrendous. We were getting back to the boat ramp, and I'm looking, I'm seeing big boats, little boats, medium boats, no boats, there's guys floating around, all just looking for a spot to try to get in. Mary's like, I ain't even doing this on a calm day, and we're there, and Mary had, some of the people on my boat had some of their gear. Uh, Steve, um, Stephen had, had his bag with his phone, his keys, everything. He's on my boat, and so, He's like, I got to get my thing. I go, dude, I got to get in. I see, finally see a spot where it's kosher for me to pull into the boat. And y'all know about boat ramps? Anybody have personal experience of crowded boat ramps? Yes. Any of you ever had to say to somebody, I am sorry for what I said at the boat ramp? (laughs) Dude, just getting in the boat ramp and getting through, that is a miracle in itself. So literally, as soon as I saw the chaos at Stan Blum, I'm just like, Oh, Lord Jesus. And it wasn't like, oh Lord Jesus, man. It was Lord Jesus. I need your help. I really need your help here. God, you gotta open up a spot. You got to get it where Mary can pull over, whatever we gotta do, man. And so I'm thinking, all right, Mary knows what to do. And and I see a spot where a guy missed two or three times, two slips open. I said, dude, I'm going in. And I went in, boom, boom, we get in. Everything's great. We're in, yes. And I look, I'm like, where's Mary? And Mary bailed and was going back to boat club. All right. <laughs> with Steven's stuff. Steven's like, she's got my stuff. He was ready to jump off and swim after you. I promise. I'm like, no, it's all good. Y'all were on my boat too, right? And so I'm like, all right, all right, guys, this is no time to play. I'm going to run, grab my grab my truck, and I'm going to back the trailer in, and we're going to get out of here without any incident, no problem at all. So I run, grab my truck, I pull it down, I back my truck in, boom, got it perfect. And, um, and I go to pull my boat up, and my trailer's cattywampus cockeyed. I'm like, I did not back it in like that. I just don't do that, all right? (laughs) I mean, it came in straight. And so I'm like, well, I got to make this anyways, because I got to get out. Everybody's watching. People want to get in. People want to get out. So I'm trying. I'm like, oh, that isn't going to work. So Sean gets in my truck, tries to straighten out. They're like, oh, your trailer's floating, because Zane put new bunks on. Big ones, dude. And if you back down too far, I didn't know that. Now I know it, praise God, right in the middle of a crowded day at the boat ramp. It's amazing when God wants to teach you things, amen? And so, so yeah, my, my boat, my, my bunks floated my trailer. It's, it's not a good time for this. Sean, finally, I, I dock the boat. I get it. I back it down. And then I pull it in. I'm like, oh, good. Thank God that is all over with. Pull my trailer. Go. And I, I, I start taking off. I still know Stephen is trying. Where's my stuff? And, uh, and, and, and you guys were down there waiting with them and so on. And I don't know. Maybe they thought I was just going for it. I went all the way up to boat wash because, dude, I mean, when I got going in, there was a spot open at boat wash. Dude, that's a spot open at boat wash, all right? There's two places to wash your boat. This is the this is my city water shower for the boat, all right? Otherwise, get some well water at my house, all right? But, man, there was a place open. Can you imagine, Scott, a place open on a Friday afternoon? And as soon as I pulled in, there were no less than five or six people pulled in right behind me Oh, and I'm just like, okay, Lord, just let this be expedient. Let me get through. And so I hook the motor up and let the motor kind of flush. All the solar. That's that $17,000 motor God bought a few months ago or whatever. I'm letting that. Praise God. Yeah, give it up for God for that. Y'all remember that story? Least I can do is take care of it. Amen. <laughs> and so I, I, put, I hook the water up and I let that go. Then I get in my boat and I start wrapping things up. And that takes about that, that's about a 10-minute thing to let the water all flush out. That's what I have to do. Matthew is my boat technician of telling me how to take care of it. he has got me down to such a precise way of keeping the boat washed and clean and looking beautiful that he is an angel from God that, he, that God sent, and I got to do it God's way, right? So anyways, I'm getting all that put up, and I see a few people decide. Now here's etiquette at the boat ramp, at the boat wash. Etiquette is that if the people in front of you are taking too long you leave. You go wash your boat somewhere else. I, that's just what we do, all right? A, at least at Fort Pierce. That's what's happened the whole time. And, and, and again, it's not the time where you polish, you do all. You, I mean, there's a system, all right? And so you, 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 they, they leave. That's what happens. Uh, one guy finally left who had been there way before me, and he pulled, the next guy pulled in, and he starts to open up his boat, and I'm kind of getting mine ready to start washing it and hosing it off, and um, all of a sudden, um, I see a, a, a three ladies pull in with a kayak trailer. And now, first of all, you don't really see a kayak trailer very often at the boat wash. Because kayak's plastic. You can wash that off anywhere or whatever. With what? I mean, a boat, you have stuff. You have to dissolve the salt. It's got to get clean because anything on a boat is expensive. Amen? It's like, you got to get it washed. So they pull up. And they all get out on the front of the car, and they're like this, looking at me. I'm sitting there thinking, and these were not nice looking. I'm, I'm, here's what I mean by this. I'm not saying they weren't, uh, what I mean, they, dude, they were some rough looking women. There's three of them, and there's one of me, all right? Because you guys had already passed by, you guys had already passed by one. and and I'm trying to do all this, and I I gave y'all, was I nice to y'all? I thought I was pretty nice to y'all and everything, I'm like, all right, God, you know what? We're just going to keep plugging. My body is tired by this point. I'm whooped. How many of y'all ever get tired and get cranky? How many of y'all, it is an effort not to get cranky when you're tired? Yeah, I realize my physical limitations at this point. I've had it. I'm done physically. I'm walking like Fred Sanford, trying to climb in and out of the boat, but I'm trying like, God, I need your help. God, just please keep me moving forward. And I've got these three ladies out here looking like this behind me. And I, I try not to look at them because I did not want to challenge my testimony. I did not want to go look and look back at them. I didn't want... I mean, how many of y'all could think of things to do at this point? Yeah. Uh, The hose slip. I mean, whatever. Again, if you're filled with the Spirit, you don't even think about that. You know what? I'm going to show you today when I get to preaching. If you're filled with the Spirit, you're thinking about love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness. Just because I wasn't doing wrong things doesn't mean I wasn't thinking about them. You ever been there? But whatever you think about, eventually you're going to end up doing. And so, Man, I'm just like, God, get me out of here. God, help me. So I'm cleaning up the boat. Uh, Matthew's got me on a little thing. We put some boat wash in a little ortho sprayer, man. And I, I got to start. I'm, I'm consciously trying to move forward. I'm spraying it with soap so that's it's dissolving the salt. Then I switch it over and I spray it off. And I jump out of the boat to now get the outside part. And the ladies start unloading their stuff over my, and they're like, "We well, are finally done. We thought you were going to polish it too. That was their first words to me. Chuck, what do you think, man? Are you getting ready to lose your testimony here? I mean, if they knew the inside kindness of my heart, I'm really am busting it trying to get done for them just because I don't even want to. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to be. I'm, I'm tired. I'm hurting my body. And I want to go home and I want to feed my wife before she gets angry. because, man, I'm already late. And my wife has a you know, I'm not saying she's, no, I'm just saying I got to get home and feed her. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> she puts up with a lot from me. We have our, we have our conditions, and I, I know what I would promised and taught her, and I know it was about time you don't feed her when she's hungry, you, you, you're going to feed her when she's hangry, all right? Any y'all you, and you identify with that? And she is a patient woman. She lives with me. Amen? So it's not her fault. This is 33 years of marriage that's done. I've, that's just what we've developed. But I'm like, i got to get home, man. Like, I want to do this. I step out, and they're like, oh, you're going to polish your boat now? What are you doing? They're carrying stuff over, and they're, they're going to unhook my hose. They went, they touched my hose. You don't touch somebody's hose at the boat wash. Is that not a, what do you think? Is, is, seriously, you're, you teach seaman, captainship, whatever. What, what did you teach, man? Yeah, all of that, man. Six, uh, do you not tell people at the boat, well, don't touch somebody's hose? You, maybe you don't. Maybe you tell them, cut the hose if they take too long. I don't know. But she touched my hose. I'm like, ma'am, stop. She said, well, you're done, right? And I said, no, ma'am, I'm not. I have to do the outside. What? <laughs> all three of them in unison, it was more like, whoa. And I'm like, I'm like, ma'am. I I said, I said, listen, man, this boat is God's boat. Because I have a Driftwood shirt on and all this. Now, remember that at the end. (laughs) I have a Driftwood shirt on, it says, helping people see life from God's perspective. (laughs) And, oh, be careful where you wear that. My wife's telling me that all the time in the supermarket. Y'all remember when there were arrows going down the lanes, like in the grocery stores? when people really thought that was going to save them, right? They're like, didn't you see the arrows? I'm like, no, ma'am, I didn't even see the Indians. <gasps> Anyways, but my wife's like, man, you have a driftwood shirt on. And I'm like, okay. But so here I am, man, driftwood shirt on. And she's like, they're undoing my thing. I said, ma'am, I said, this is God's boat." I said, one time, honestly, I saw, I, I, I was in a hurry myself. And I wasn't going to wash the boat, and God asked me. He said, man, if you had to borrow so-and-so's boat, would you turn it in dirty like this? And I said, no. He said, why would you turn my boat in dirty? So I thought I was giving a little testimony there. I said, "So, ma'am, I gotta wash God's boat. This is what I do. I got a system. It's quick. It's easy. I promise. If you quit distracting me, I will be done in just a moment. And when I'm done, I will. You're next in line, unless that guy go pick on that guy. He's still washing his boat too. And and anyway, so I I, I start washing the outside, and there over she she's like they're looking for another spigot, like, oh, put it on here. Oh, there's no spigot. I said, ma'am, because there's not enough water pressure to have more than two hoses running at a time. Otherwise, it's going to take really long. Well, we got to go. And I'm like, well, then go, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so anyways, now I think I'm pretty filled with the Spirit so far on the outside. Any of y'all ever been filled with the Spirit on the outside, but not the inside? Because if it was filled with the Spirit on the inside, I'd have been saying, God, show me how to love these women. Not just how to be nice to them, not just how to make light. I, I, doing as best I can, my body hurting and being tired, and it being hot, and I'm almost done. And it's like in my time, you know, and it's rightly so. I own that boat, right, that, that boat wash at that point in time. That's me, not them. So I get back there and I'm hosing it off, and they're making comments. Oh, you missed the spot. So now as they're doing, a, if they say missed the spot how many of you would purposely go back to that spot and spend some time? This is where the switch flipped. This is where the switch flipped in my story, guys. Because up to this point, I was really trying to represent God, but I, I had had enough. Any of y'all ever have enough? I have had enough. You flipped the switch, now it's flesh time. But it, do we have the right to do that as a believer? No, but I could probably tell a story somewhere and have. In fact, they probably told the same story at a bar that night, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, that pastor." But the point is, is I don't have that right as a believer. But I did. I'm just being honest with you. I flipped the switch, and it was like, "Huh." (laughs) So I sat there with the, and I put the soap back on. I'm going. until they noticed I hadn't moved. And they're like, now he's taunting us. And I'm like, duh. <laughs> and, and, and then I start moving again with it and, every, and, and, I, and I get it all rent. And they're like, finally, he's done. And I'm like, no, ma'am, that was just the soap. Because <laughs> you can't leave the soap on the bowl, man. That was a soap to dissolve. So I flip the switch, that switch, and I now start rinsing it off. So I finally get it rinsed off and I put it over there and I'm not done yet. I'm not done, all right? And so uh, they're like, finally. So now they start bringing all their other stuff over to the boat wash, and they're, they're hovering over me, and they're you're done. I said, no, ma'am, I'm not. I said, ma'am, please let me finish. When I'm done, I will let you know that I am done. I said, but please let me just finish, and, 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 and I literally did. I, I I hadn't lost my temper at this point. I, I did taunt him with the a little bit all right, at that point. But at this point, I'm staying pretty cool about the whole gig. I, I put the soap, I stretch my hose out, and, um, and, and I'm over there, and she's like, well, let me, undo your, let me undo your hose and start. And I said, ma'am, I'm not done. So I, I undo the hose. I said, as soon as I'm done with the hose, you can start with the hose, no problem. And so I undo the hose, now I have a milk crate. Matthew knows how I do it. I put my hose in the milk crate, and then I turn my milk crate, and that way it wraps my hose up. It is ingenious method for all of you that keep trying to do it like this and then put it in the No, man, I got a system and it's quicker than anything. She's like, now what are you doing? I said, well, I'm wasting time telling you what I'm doing. That's what, how many of y'all think that might've been justified? How many of y'all think that was not full of the spirit, though? How many of y'all think that was just pure flesh? Yeah, I flipped a switch. I'm on pure flesh right now. And all I'm trying to do is not get in a fight, because there's three of them, and there's one of me, and these were not nice-looking women. I'm just saying, I'd say that if they were here. I'm saying they were, they had, it wasn't because of no bodybuilder. It was because of a scowling, mean face, angry face. And I wasn't looking at it when I said that, though. <laughs> and I'm, I'm turning, I get it all done. And she said, can I unhook my hose? I'm like, no. I said, I'm said, said, I i going to wash this off, and then I will be done. I will let you know. So I roll my hose up, and I w- hook it up, and then I go to put it in the bed of my truck the way I always do at that point. So then they hook theirs up. And uh, she's like, all right, now you're going to move? And I'm like, are you going to move? <laughs> I mean, how much abuse can a spirit-filled believer take? How much abuse can a spirit-filled believer take? As much as God allows. But how much abuse can a carnal, flesh-filled believer take? Only enough till somebody pushes the buttons and gets under your skin, right? And and how many of y'all would have had her under your skin? All three of them, not one! This was like not even stereo. This is tree, not even quad. This was three of them all barking at me. You're going to move? You're going to move now? I said, ma'am, I'm not. What more do you have to do? I go, and I'm walking up to go get my straps. And as I'm walking up to get my straps, I see the guys in the front boat ahead of me, and they're laughing. They're up there with brushes. And I'm thinking, why didn't they pick on him? brushes and they're washing their giant boat and they're laughing. I said, hey, do y'all catch any fish? <laughs> There's another. And and they were like, yeah, we caught some snappers. So I did stop and I said, Where'd you come? How deep was the water where you caught a snapper? Did you catch them offshore? Did you catch? Oh now the ladies are whistling like fur, fur, they're whistling at me. Get your boat out of here. And I am still walking I, I give my straps and I'm like talking to them as I'm going back. And they're like, you're just trying to annoy us now. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I am actually. And I said, but I'm really just trying to get out of here, I promise. And and so I'm putting my straps on. And as I'm putting my, they're literally, I'm, I'm underneath my ladder putting my, she's right there. Another one's right there. They're all right there. And now I'm not kind of trusting what they're going to do. I really don't know. I get my straps on and they're like, and they're like, uh you need to just get out of here. I said, you know, I would have been out of here a while ago if y'all had just sat in your car. I said, you've done nothing but made me waste time. You brought anxiety to this whole situation. I said, if y'all would let me do- go, I would have been done. I said, you know, right now I feel like doing this flesh. flipped the switch. I already told y'all. I was no longer filled with the Spirit because you can tell, and I'm going to show you a list of that today. I want you to remember the story because how many of y'all can identify, and you and your pious self have ever been in a story similar to this? I mean, I'll say, oh, no, not me, Pastor Eddie, never. You're a liar. <laughs> you just maybe didn't let it come out because <laughs> you were scared, but I, I got a big mouth, man. And I'm just like, hey, I'm like, all right, you know what I've had? It. I said, you know what you guys, you guys have pushed me to the point I said, I want to get home. Oh, get home to your wife or she's going to beat you. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. <sighs> and I'm like, I just want to go. I want to then go get out of here. I said, you guys have pushed me to the point where you made me want to go to my car, my truck and take some phone calls. I don't even want to leave till you guys leave. And and I and I turned around and I was getting ready to leave. And I hear one of them listen to this. One of them goes, go get me the keys. I'm going to key his boat. <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> And I fully believe she was going to do it. Can you imagine meeting somebody at Fort Pierce boat ramp that would actually key your boat? Yes. (laughs) So I go up to my truck and grab my phone because I want to take a picture of this. I mean, it's gone to a whole nother level. I'm, I would rather just leave. I go back, they're like, what are you doing back here? I said, well, I'm taking video because, because man, if, if you key my boat, I said, you're taking it to a hole? what in the name of middle school mall madness just happened right now? You're going to key my boat? And yeah, if you don't get out of here, and they've all got palm branches in their hands. They got palm branches in their hands. And I'm just like, all right, listen, I'm getting out of here. I said, leave my boat alone. They're like, yeah, we'll make a decision on that. I was like, I ain't going nowhere then. We're in a standoff because you know what? I truly believe you guys would actually do that to my boat. And it's God's boat. And they said, well, it's God's boat, let him protect it. And I said, okay. And I walked off and I I didn't walk, I actually ran. (laughs) I ran to my truck, got it started and I went to pull out. And, And you know what they did? They literally threw palm branches in the spokes of my wheels And they, and when I, and I pulled out, it was nothing. It wasn't like oak branches or anything. It was palm branches, but they threw junk in my boat. (laughs) I got home and I'm like, all right, no big deal. And I have been so convicted because I did not handle this the way God wants. When I stand before God Almighty and he says, what'd you do when I brought those three ladies with the kayaks to the boat ramp? I'm going to tell them my story like I just told you. And he's not going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, is he? He's not going to say that. In fact, I didn't want to share it with you, but God Almighty wanted me to share it with you. You guys know I'm human. It's not so like if you hear from, the, well, that pastor did. You. Yeah, we already heard it in church. What? No. no, I'm sharing it with you because I know for a fact that you encounter situations like this every day. I want you to know I'm encountering them and I handled it wrong. And when I'm coming now, you know what I did? Gary, I dropped in on a wave. I dropped in on a wave with a perfectly good fin. And right in the middle, Chuck, of really needing my fins the most, you know what I did? I pulled my fins out. Could you imagine doing such a stupid thing? Right? When, I, when did I need the power of the Holy Spirit and the direction of the Holy Spirit the most? When the battle got heated. And what did I do? I let my flesh take over. I pulled the fins out and said, I'm just going to slide down this thing and hope I make it to shore. I made it ashore, but man, it's been eating me alive. I've got conviction. And I don't know what I'm going to do when I meet him again. Because I know, you know how I know I'm going to meet him again? You know how I know that? Even though I've never met him before, because God gave me a test and I failed it. How many of y'all are teachers?
1: <laughs>
0: and how many, when students fail a test, you say, oh, well, guess they don't need to know that. We'll give them a different test. No, you fail a test. What happens? You get it again. That's how I know but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Some of y'all have some suggestions, I think, for me probably, but I don't want yours. I want the Holy Spirit. You, When you do stuff in the flesh, you don't know what to do. It's only when you're walking in the spirit that you have the God who knows everything, the God who's everywhere, and the God who can do anything. You have him on your side telling you what to do. Isn't that what he said in John 14, 26? Jesus said, guys, I'm going to leave. But when I leave, and and, and when you're going to have the Holy Spirit, the comforter inside, and he will teach you everything you need to know in any given situation and bring to remembrance all the things I've already taught you, even with three nasty ladies at a boat ramp and a nasty believer, the Holy Spirit of God. Don't pull your fins, man. Don't pull your fins when you need them the most. So I don't know what I'm gonna do when it happens again. I know one thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna beg for the mercy of God. I'm gonna fall on my face and say, God, you gotta show me what to do in this situation because it is fresh. Anything I pre-plan, anything I I think about and have already roped out, that's legalism. Anything I already think, oh, I'm going to do this when I see him again. Man, that's humanism. It's not going to work. The answer for everything is to stay filled with the Spirit of God. You can have the most awesome God. You can be connected to the most awesome mediator. You can know all the most awesome Bible verses, but it's like a giant stick of deodorant. You can have a 55-gallon drum of the junk, but it don't do you no good unless you do what? Apply it. And you cannot apply the Word of God, the way it's supposed to be applied, when it's supposed to be applied, without the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us power, and he gives us direction in this. So check out the scripture that we have with this. Starting in Galatians 5, 16 through 19, listen to this. And this should be a list. Maybe you need to print this list out. Maybe I need to print this list out and have it on every mirror because how many of y'all have had days where you're like, oh, well, I'm full of the Spirit. Well, I'm full of the Spirit. Man, you know what? You look at this list and you look at this and you look at this and you can tell exactly where you are in a situation. Oh, I could have spun this story in such a way where these ladies were so bad and I did everything I could do and I'd be so full of my flesh in doing that. But the fact is I sinned, I was wrong. It could have escalated worse. It could have been, de- I don't know how to de-escalate it, but the fact is, I didn't give God a chance. Why would God show me how to do it when I wasn't willing to do it that way? Why would God, you know, that, 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 that's, that's the scenario. God wants you to ask him. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you direction through every single situation in life. Not live off leftovers, not live off. The, but what do I do now, God? Isn't that what the spirit-filled life is? What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. What do you want me to do now, God? Do it. Even when you have this encounter at the boat ramp. So look what Paul says to the Galatians here on this. He says, "So I say," and I'm doing the New Living Translation, which is super, very similar to the ESV, which is a great literal word-for-word translation. In this, he says, "So I say, let the who? Who? Let the who?" Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. There was part of that time where I was letting him guide my life, but how many of y'all would agree there was part of a time where I was not letting the Holy Spirit guide my life? Let me see your hand. How many of y'all think there was a time? Okay, good, yeah. And and it's the same in your life sometimes. He was not guiding it. And even though you may not respond the same way, he knows what's going on inside. Even when I was doing the right thing, I was doing it with the wrong motive. You know why I was trying to be nice? because I didn't want to deal with them. But who knows, maybe God put them in my life so that they could find the love of Christ, and they sure didn't find that in me that day. There's a lot of times people do, but it wasn't on that day. And I'm praying that sometime, I, maybe they will be able to find that. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. How much, how much does the Holy Spirit want to guide? Your life. Then, he says, if you do that then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So guess what? You have a spirit-filled nature, and you have a sinful nature, and it doesn't always expose itself by your deeds or by your actions. Some of the kindest people on the outside are some of the most evil people on the inside because of why they're doing it. It's a pride thing as opposed to a God thing. If it's not for the glory of God, it's a pride thing. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. How many of y'all would admit your flesh, your sinful nature has cravings that go against the word of God? Do you have that? Yeah. You got to recognize if you pretend you don't have them, you can't fight them. You can't, you can't overcome them. They become normal. You justify them. And they're unjustifiable. I say, don't let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The fin on a board gives it direction. You can't steer without, the, whole, without the, the fins. You can't steer. You don't even know what direction to steer your life in without the Holy Spirit of God. Look what he says the sinful nature wants to do evil. And it is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Hey, doesn't that sound like a fight? Thomas, you ever have a fight inside? Yeah. You, know, you, you remember in the cartoons, y'all, back in the day when we had cartoons and they weren't political messages in the cartoons? There was an angel and a devil on a shoulder. Y'all remember those? Do it, don't do it, do it, don't do it. And you had to figure out what. You remember those, right? That's what they're talking about. Only you have your old sinful nature that wants to. Put, who does your old sinful nature want to please, y'all? Me, exactly. When I boil all of that down, what happened at the boat ramp? Who was I trying to please? Me. At first, I was trying to please God, but I also trying to please me because I, dude, that was my boat ramp. I wanted it. I needed that. I would need to get it done. Uh, all of that. But when it boils down, I wanted. I wanted what I wanted at that point in time. That's why I, I still don't know. How to deal with that, but I don't have to until it comes again and the Holy Spirit shows me. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces, he's talking to believers here. These two forces are what? What's the next word? They're what? Constantly. Lucinda, what does constantly mean? All the time. Can you identify with that? Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Can you imagine having an angel and a devil on your shoulder and they're always arguing? They're always, that's what is going on. We have the devil who created this world system that our flesh loves, but yet we're born again with a brand new nature that desires to glorify and please God. And one day we'll get to do that in a place where there will be no more sin, no more Satan, no more sickness, no more suffering. But until that day, God wants us to choose him because the only way we can show God we love him is through obedience, by picking him. That's it. The spirit gives us desires of the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting. If you're like, well, not in me. (laughs) All right. If If they're constantly fighting in you, here's one of two scenarios one, you're not saved and you don't have the two desires. You got religion and you got your old nature and you found a way to mesh them and you're not saved. Or you're living in oblivion, and you're not, you're not aware of what is actually going on around you in the spiritual battle. You're not seeing life from God's perspective, because this is God's word. And he said, these two forces are constantly fighting. So those of you who thought you were weird because you had this battle, anybody say, dude, I'm not weird because I had this battle going on. MJ, you're probably like, dude, man, hey, all right, that's good, because yeah, I can identify with that. I thought I was weird. All them other Christians, they don't have to deal with this. Yeah, they do. Maybe they're not. You got to be aware of what's going on in here. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. What are my good intentions at the boat ramp? Just let me go home and feed my wife. <laughs> let me just go. Let me go home. Those are my I had good intentions but my flesh would not let me carry out those good intentions. Who's the flesh? That's me. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. In other words, you don't have the law right there saying, do this, do this, do this. Because when you're walking in the Spirit, what do you want to do? You want to do the law. When you're walking in the Spirit, the Spirit of God is directing you to do exactly what God is telling you to do. And so you don't need the law to, you know, God to bust you, or you don't need a law telling you it's built into you. When you walk in the spirit and you walk with grace, you do what God wants you to do. Look at verse 19. When you follow the desire, hey, what does it mean to follow? Anybody follow any? You, you, you're watching Terry and Fernandez dogs, right? You ever have to follow them? <laughs> well, you got them on leash, right? But Gus, he gets off. You ever follow Gus? <laughs> Anybody at Terry and Fernandez Bible study ever follow Gus? <laughs> He's a little one right there. What does it mean to follow? It means you're chasing after. Look what he says. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. You understand sometimes we chase after those desires and we actually try to uh, try to justify them and make them sound like they're okay. Because the world does it, because this does. That's why we've got to be in God's word to know the difference. It's not okay. Again, I could have probably spun that story in a way where you would have been like, oh, you handled that perfectly, because I could have left out some details. The way we do in our own mind, you ever notice how sometimes we overestimate how good we are and underestimate how bad we are? We leave out details a lot of times. We don't want to think about them, because I want to think about myself as being good. But here's the reality of it. If you don't ever look in a mirror, how do you know what you look like? That's why a lot of folks don't look in the word of God. You've got to. He said, when you follow your desires, your sinful nature, the results are very clear. There's no doubt. And here's what he says. Here's the two lists. The first one is sexual immorality. Well, and I'm not picking on anything or whatever. I'm just saying, well, so what if they made Buzz Lightyear gay, you know, or what? Any sexual immorality. You know what sexual immorality is? it's any sexuality that is not moral. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. So what is moral sexuality? Moral sexuality is a man and a woman, the way God made Adam and Eve and created marriage and created sex to be a bond, not a physical um, thing that's not supposed to be reduced to a physical act but, it, but it's an emotional, it's a it's it's a it's a bond between two married people to bring their souls closer together. And it's for that. How many of y'all like fireplace? Anybody like fireplace or fire pits? Anybody? Yeah, you like fire pits? Dude, my fireplace, I got a fireplace in my house. Man, we dig our fireplace, even in South Florida. And where do I want the fire in the fire? If we have a fireplace, we got a fire in the front, in the living room. Where do we want it? Where do I want the fire to stay? In the fireplace. But the minute I get some of them cheap logs and they start popping out and they're hitting my couch and hitting my rugs and catching, are they good anymore? No, the same fire that was awesome in the fireplace is horrible when it's outside the fireplace. Sexual immorality is morality uh, uh, concerning sex that's different than what God desires. Everybody draws a line somewhere. Well, this is okay, but this is not. The no, once you draw a line outside of God's line, you have to accept everyone else's line. You don't get to choose. Here's God's morality. Well, but homosexuality is okay. Okay, then good. Um, then you accept bestiality. Oh, no, that's horrible. And what about What about pedophilia? No, absolutely not. Well, but you accept this outside of God's. one. Who are you to draw the line outside of God's? That's why we stay with God's line of right and wrong. Amen? So again, I'm not going to go over every one of these, but he starts off with sexual immorality. He said, dude, you're okay with sexual immorality? A form of sexual morality that's different than God's? He said, then you know what? That's the flesh. I don't care how much you've justified it in the cause of Christ and for the love of Christ. It's wrong. Impurity. What's Impurity. How many of y'all want to go to the restaurant and get some impure water, dude? Hey, can I have a water, please? And I want the impure stuff, all right? Is that what y'all are asking for? No, man, y'all are bringing... Isn't that funny that everybody up north drinks water bottled from a spring that we go swimming in? No, I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just thinking about that. Oh, we purify. In Haiti, one time I was in the airport at MFI, and I was talking to some other mission leaders. I was like, yeah, we found some bottled water that oh my goodness, this bottle of water is the best that we found. It's good. And he said, oh yeah, we tested that water. And that's got the least amount of fecal matter of all the water in Haiti. I'm like, what? He said, the least amount of fecal matter. How much fecal matter do you want in your water, Carrie? (laughs) Absolutely none. That's what God wants. No fecal matter in his people. He immorality, no sexual immorality, impurity. Well, I just, it's just, it's just, it's just, no, God says you're striving to become more and more like him. Everything comes into our life, including three ladies at a boat ramp for God's glory and my good. And the good is me to become more like God and be more pure. I failed the test. And so have you. It doesn't mean we give up. What it means is is that we we walk in the spirit. We realize we can't surf without fins. We have no power, no direction. In the scripture, he gives us a direction we got to go. Because is the world going this direction? Absolutely not. Man, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Again, that doesn't have to be sexual. It's just lust is is not. What's the difference between lust and love? (laughs) Lust is for you this is just for me. It's got to be some me time. It's only about me. I don't see that scripturally, unless you want to twist scripture out of context. It's about God. And if you love God, he causes you to love who? Others. And the benefit is when you love others, it comes back on you. Idolatry. Idolatry is having anything become a God in your life. It could be something as simple as disc golf tiny In my living room, I have my disc golf bag. I am building a new disc golf cart that old people can use. And and, and I don't have to drag it up hills. It can become your God. Anything that takes priority over God that's not for the purpose of bringing God glory, that's it. Sorcery, does anybody know what the Greek word for sorcery is? (laughs) Pharmakia. Boy, yeah, depending on on pharmacy, pharmakia depending on that over God. I'm not saying you got to figure out where you draw your lines on all of that, but yeah, if you got drug use, that that's qualifies there. But again, drugs are not your Savior. God is. Uh, outbursts of anger. Wow, there's me at the boat ramp. Even though I didn't let it come out as loud and mean and nasty as I could have, Oh, bless your heart. Anybody heard anybody in the South say that? <laughs> when an when, when old lady in the South, you grew up in the South, brother, an old lady goes, bless your heart, Kevin. She just cussed you out, didn't she? <laughs> it was still just as hateful as you, piece of the law. That was the same thing, only it came out different. And somehow I think in Christianity, if it comes out a little different, it's okay. But it's what comes out of your heart. That's what's issue. He said, man, if this is what's coming out, this is the flesh. Selfish ambition. You know what? Uh, only by pride comes contention and strife, it says in Proverbs in the King James. Who had pride in that issue and wanted their way at the boat ramp? All of us did. That was why the contention happened, because we, nobody was given in. And I don't know if that's the answer. She should have certainly gave in and drove away. That's all I got to say. <laughs> And if I can know, I'm just, again, I don't know how it all goes down next time. It'd be really cool if we all knelt down and we were praying together and figuring out what God wanted us to do. That'd be a pretty cool way. Selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. I didn't write this stuff. God did a long time ago through Paul and other sins like these. So all I got to say is you got that list up, and if you see you qualify, can you really truly say I am a spirit-filled believer at this point in time? No. And if you see that you're not a spirit-filled believer in this particular situation, what do you do? Do you give up and say it's too hard? What do you do? What do What do you do, sister? Yeah, well, tell me your name again. Hussein, like Russia only. Hussein. So what do you do when you find out you're not a spirit-filled believer like you thought you were because the list on the mirror says you're not? Do you just say, you try to twist your life or twist God's word to fit your life? You twist your life to fit God's word. You say, God, have mercy on me. Help me become who you want me to become. That's what we do. And we watch the miracle of his Holy Spirit work inside of us, Brandon. And do things where when people see you did it this way this time, they're like, what the heck happened to you, Brandon? And what are you going to tell them? Jesus, I got saved. Man, this is what's happening. Because you can't steer the surfboard without fins. Amen? You can't. You can't live the Christian life without the power and direction from God Almighty. It doesn't happen. I, I, I know I got to get through, but man... I was a youth pastor back in Orlando in 95 through 2000, early 2000s, and had over 1,000 students a week between the campus. I was a campus pastor also, had a school, all this stuff. And uh, I had public school kids, homeschool kids, private school kids, and I had kids on fire from every one of those little areas in all of that. And I had hypocrites from all of that also. But here's what I saw in the private school Mostly because I was part of the board. I was the elder that represented, and, want, and the church wanted me to make sure that the school represented the church. And so, what they did is they, they made a rule and they said, every kid that comes has to act a certain way. And it was biblical. Here's the biblical rules. Amen. But every kid that came to the school didn't have to be a believer because they wanted to use it as evangelism to lead people to Christ. There's a problem there. Because if you're not a believer, can you do what believers are supposed to do? No. So you know what it did? It bred lukewarmness. It bred lukewarmness. Here's what happened. So I had a a group of kids who were on fire for Christ, and they were trying to be on fire for Christ. But compared to lukewarm believers, uh, if you're a lukewarm believer, what is the most offensive and irritating thing to you? An on fire Christian. Come on, back down. Come on back. You're going a little, you're a fanatic. Come on back down. And they would try to suck these kids back down. And then there would be these kids over here that did, couldn't obey Christ at all because they didn't have the spirit of God in them. And they're like, dude, you can't be selling weed on campus. Dude, you can't really be robbing lockers right now and then pawn the stuff off at the pawn shop. You know, uh, These are real things. I was a campus pastor. And in fact, one of the kids who came out of a gang that was stealing jewelry out of the lockers and pawned it at a pawn shop, and we caught him and kicked him out of school. I had to lead him to Christ. He became my youth pastor when I came here. <laughs> amen? That's the power of God. That's the power of God. But you can't do this. So what everybody did was they came to a mushy, gushy, sickening, as God says, of of a lukewarmness that makes God want to vomit it out of its mouth. He said, either be hot or cold. Don't misrepresent me in this lukewarmness. You cannot do what God wants you to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Chuck, man, used to run the ESA contest. Man, those kids, they're pretty incredible, aren't they? One of the kids in the Bible study, Cole, he's like now made it. You know, he's he's up there. Can you imagine if you ran a contest without fins? Well, what if you took the top competitor and just took his fins out? That would be such an under... He couldn't do the maneuvers that he could do with it. You, with the power of the Holy Spirit, have the ability to do things that nobody else can do. Unbelievers can't. And if you, just because you go through the motions, man, that doesn't count. God knows your heart. God wants to do things so supernatural that only he gets blamed. When you see really radical, I mean, why do people buy, did that? Why they used to buy Kelly Slater's fins? (laughs) Because they want to do what Kelly Slater did. Now they were missing a few components. (laughs) It took more than just his fins. But they, wow, what do you have? What do you have? Yeah, I I want to mimic that. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, y'all. So this man, I, he said, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life, he's not talking about having moments where you do this. He's talking about living this as your lifestyle. That This, this list totally describes your lifestyle. He says, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. If this is your lifestyle, you're not a believer. I didn't say that, he did. So when we as believers live that way, at the boat ramp, was Jesus my king? <laughs> was Jesus my king at the, bo- uh, at the boat ramp, but when I not at the boat wash? I, I didn't inherit the kingdom of God. I didn't, I didn't have the king giving me specific directions and favor and everything that comes with that. He said, you want to do it in the flesh? Go ahead, do it in the flesh, see what you can do. And I've been tormented since because I didn't do it his way. So whenever you choose to go surf without fins, understand why you're sliding around. Understand why you have no power, you have no ability, you have no dir- You want to go in this direction, but life won't take you in that direction. I don't, man, back in the day before fins, Gary, I don't know if you were that old, but remember they'd stick their foot in one side just to try to go. And it wasn't a matter of if you fell, it was when you fell. You can't, that was the Old Testament. They didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. We do. God who spoke the world into existence, where does he live? He lives in you right now. What a shame not to pull off some pretty radical maneuvers that the world says, wow, how did that happen? Look at this next part. But the Holy Spirit, not you knowing all the scriptures and having practice of applying them, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. Is that love for only loving people? (laughs) What do you think, Carolee? Only people, oh, you were on the boat that day too, man, but you were long gone. You went back to the boat club and ditched me over there. That's all good. No, I'm just, left me with, I could have used oh my goodness, if I would have had you three, dude, I would have just turned y'all loose on them ladies, man, and I wouldn't have had to deal with them. Next time y'all guard me there, right? But be filled with the Spirit. (laughs) Love. Regardless, not for people who love you, not situations that are loving, but love. The ability to agape love, ability to love people that are unlovable. Did I not have a chance to love somebody that was unlovable? What do you think, Ralph? Ralph, did I have a chance to love somebody who wasn't lovable? How about pickleball? Is everybody lovable out there in pickleball? No, but if you're filled with the Spirit, you love them because it's the Holy Spirit. Joy. Did I have joy once they all started surrounding me and throwing junk at my boat? No. Peace. Oh, my goodness. I haven't had peace since then. Uh, Patience. Patience is enduring joyfully under a heavy load. You know, uh, you were talking earlier about this guy, the, the, the brake dude. No, the oil change dude. Um, Morgan, the oil change guy being attacked. You know, anybody being attacked, God had to give the attacker permission to attack them. Isn't that encouraging to you? Whenever you're attacked to know that God gave him permission, so God's got it all under control. God's just saying, jump on my back. Let me do the fighting. Let me do this for you. No, I got this, God. I'm going to do it on my own. That's like pulling your fins out and trying to do awesome maneuvers. It doesn't work. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Oh, my goodness. Goodness Goodness is when you do something good, and it actually gets good results. Faithfulness, being full of faith, knowing that if you do what God wants you to do, it's going to work out. Gentleness and self-control. Remember when I talked earlier, and y'all raised your hands, and I said, Ooh, how many of y'all would have flipped the switch by now? They just put you gone too far, no holds barred. We don't have that right. Gentleness, self-control. He said there's no law against these things. There's no conviction against them. When you're doing that, dude, you're in the right no matter how it turns out. That's what we're doing. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. How many of y'all have nailed those old passions and desires? Yeah, how many of you ever pulled them back off the cross? That's what I did. I got to leave them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. And, and, and what's the next part say? Unless there's three nasty women getting all in your face and all around your boat and throwing stuff in your boat and jamming branches in your spirit. And unless there's, be, dude, I should have called the police. Maybe that, no, I don't know what I should have done because I wasn't walking in the spirit. And I don't know what, that's my point for you. You don't know what to do unless God Almighty tells you. And if you're not walking in the spirit, he's not telling you. You're trying to figure it out in your own little pea brain. And your brain is a pea brain compared to God's brain because God knows everything, amen? Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every stinking part of our lives. And I mean stinking with all respect. <laughs> follow him in every part of your life. Let us not become conceited, thinking, oh, I got this, God. We we did this before. I don't need to bother you, God. I got this one. We'll hand it out like the last time. Oh, boy, I got something in store for these ladies this time. I have a brand-new hose with a brand-new spigot, and, boy, they're going to be sorry. I'm going to treat them like that dog that was in heat trying to get in my backyard. <laughs> don't become conceited. Don't try, don't become, see, become conceited thinking you got your own way of figuring it out. Every situation's fresh, and God wants to do it his way. Or provoke one another. Oh my goodness, when I sat there and hit that one spot, Shh. was I not provoking them? Even though they provoked me way more than I provoked them. <laughs> Isn't that how we feel sometimes? It's dessert. No, I was wrong. And don't be jealous of one another. So look at that. God gives us in that passage, clear direction, clear direction on when it, we can know we're following the spirit or when we're following the flesh. So you, you can't mistake the two, the two thing, uh, lists. And last but not least, look at this. I promise the last verse here. This is where we have power and why we have power. So at the very end, when Jesus is getting ready to be ascended, this is Acts Acts 1, 6 through 8, the apostles, dude, Jesus got crucified, Jesus came back. What were they looking for Jesus to do? Basically come and take things over, right? And become king. And how many of y'all would love Jesus to come back and everything just be perfect right now? Wouldn't that be all? In the millennial kingdom, are we going to have any fights at the boat ramp? Are we going to have any fights at the boat wash? No, in the millennial kingdom, it's going to be beautiful. We're going to be running it. Next, next, next. It'll all be perfect. Wouldn't y'all like that to happen right now? Everything just to be perfect. Wouldn't that be a great solution? Why isn't it? Because it's not time. God hasn't chosen that yet. That's what the disciples thought would be the best thing. So when the apostles were with Jesus, before he was getting ready to be ascended, they kept asking uh, those of you who are moms, Lucinda, has your kids ever kept asking, kept asking, kept asking? So you can feel Jesus. It wasn't like, hey, mom, can we do this? No. Okay, thank you. We, ex- we love your wisdom and knowledge, and we'll just accept that answer and move on. No. They reword it. They retwist it. They come from a different angle. They have different ploys. You only ever do that? You moms have got to be sharp, dude. You're like, Whoa! you're fighting off all this asking, right? So here it is. They kept asking Jesus, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? God, if you just took away all the bad people and just left us good people here. <laughs> Don't we think that way sometimes, not realizing where we're really at? And a lot of said, God, man, if you would just come back, everything would be cool. If you would just fix it, it would all be cool. And God says, yeah, but that's not my purpose right now. Look what he says his purpose is in this. Jesus replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. That's not your concern. That's, That's the best solution you guys can come up with, but I got a much better plan. And in fact, I'm gonna put some junk in your lives where if you choose me, you can show me how much you actually love me because I want you to love me. And then by loving me, you understand how much I love you. Look at this. He said, but, but instead of me changing everything, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Yeah, I have power to do whatever I want, power to to levitate their little trailer of and, and send it off in a whirlwind and whatever. I have power to do whatever. No, that's not what he says. You will have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now look what the power is for and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. So you know what a witness is? A witness is not a lawyer. A lawyer is always trying to prove a case, right? Boom, boom, laying it out. Here's the case. Here's the case for Christ here. You know what a witness is? A witness is somebody who experienced something, and they testify as to what they experienced, and no one can take that away. So you get a boat ramp situation. You know what a witness is? A witness is who's done things the way God wants them to do. Chuck, we finally get epic waves. We finally get a good swell. Do you think there's going to be fights out there after the summer? On the first swell after summer, man, there's going to be, oh, God needs a witness out there. You willing? I'm going to paddle out with you, and if I can get out, man, I'm going to help you, and you help me. We'll be witnesses. Because you know what a witness is? Here's why you have power. Whatever you're going through right now, whether it's a boat ramp, boat wash, whether it's finance, how many of y'all had your electric bill go more than double? Woohoo! Yeah, Fort Pierce, you still live. I call, I texted Jeremiah Johnson, our county commissioner. He's like, well, yeah, mine went up too. And uh, yeah, I haven't got my report, but I'll, I'll find out for you. I said, well, I'm praying for you to have wisdom to know what to do to help us because people can't afford that. But a witness is somebody who's trusting God for whatever it is God wants to do. Letting God do it, it works out and God gets the glory. If you already knew how to work it out and could figure it out, God wouldn't get the glory, you would. So listen, the power he wants to give us is the power to make it through in a holy, righteous way, whatever it is he's allowing us to go through. That's what your power is. Whatever situation you're in right now, one more point, Ralph, and we win the pickleball tournament. But I'm exhausted, and God gives you that one last—he <laughs> makes it fall. Uh, and again, it can—whatever it is, y'all. Look, the power is to get through whatever situation you're in because you know it's by God's design. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, but you got to do it His way. You can't pull the fins out of the board and expect to pull off awesome maneuvers. Keep the fins in. Do it his way. He wants to give you power so you can tell people it is by his power that this happened. Chuck, how did you and your brother make it through a whole swell and everybody dropped in on you and y'all didn't beat anybody's butt? It was the almighty power of God Almighty. And I'm picking on Chuck right now. Chuck's been pretty mellow for a little while in this, but there was a day, huh? yeah there was checks like you're writing me off too soon man no but literally you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you so you can be my witness and show people what it's like to have a big god living inside of you telling people about me everywhere in jerusalem throughout judea samaria to the ends of the earth you're god's poster child everywhere he brings you whether you got to go back to California and take care of business, whether you got to do it here, wherever you go, whatever he's got in in your path, it's by his design for his glory and our good. And our good is to become more like him. But sometimes we start out good and then we flip a switch. We pull the fins right in the middle of the wave. What a stupid time to pull the fins. Keep following God. Know that you can't do what God wants you to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit acting like lost people. That's how Ephesians got started. Know you have a big God living inside of you. Know it's all by his design. Know that as you walk with him, what do you want me to do? And do it. It's one step at a time. And that's for any situation that you're encountering. So God, like a surfboard, gives us the ability to thrive on waves that would drown someone without a surfboard. So help me out one last time. Next week, we're back in Ephesians again. The board represents who? And the foam represents the fact that God. The stringer represents the fact that God and the foam, uh, the the uh, glass, help me out, the glass represents that the God is everywhere. He's an awesome God. And there's only one way to be attached to this awesome God. And so who's the leash? Jesus Christ. He's the mediator between sinful man and holy, righteous God. But you got to stay stuck to him daily, man, by being in his word. And that's represented by the, the wax. And you can have wax, the board, you can have the fin, but you can't use it all the way it's supposed to be used and be successful without the fins. You can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as you give your life to Christ, you have his Holy Spirit. You have all the Holy Spirit that you could ever have. He just doesn't have all of you. So as you surrender to him and put it in his hands and let him have the power to get you through all of that, to give you power and direction, man, you'll be riding the real deal. Let's pray. Father, instead of us always trying to bail and call for you to be a helicopter to rescue us out of the waves that are crashing down that we think are going to drown us, Father, instead, I pray that we would jump on you, the board. We'd realize you're our salvation. You're it. No government, no job, no Fort Pierce Utility Authority, no news channel, no nothing, no political system. Father, you are are you're it. And you can do anything. You know everything, and you're everywhere. There's no one more awesome than you. Thank you for making it possible for us to be hooked to you through Jesus Christ. I pray that there's somebody here that doesn't know for sure that when they die, that they're going to be with you because their sins are paid for and taken away by Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. Father, help them to surrender all they know about themselves, all they know about you, and be saved. But, Father, once we're saved, I pray, Father, we would daily, many times a day, as often as necessary, not only read your word, but regurgitate your word. We'd create some fresh sticky bumps on the on you so we can stay stuck to you from your word. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Father, I pray we would do that. And Father, I pray we'd never try to do it in our own strength. I pray, Father, that we would recognize when we're going the wrong direction, we would start having a desire to go the right direction, but we would cry out for your mercy and ask you to help us apply your grace to be able to do the right thing through the power of your Holy Spirit. And in turn, we would watch you do awesome things. And you would get all the credit and glory. We're just along for the ride. But what an awesome ride it will be. So Father, I pray you would help each of us apply this in the only way that we need to. And we would never forget it. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.